0: This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I don't think British people shit.
0: Okay. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And
0: I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows.
1: So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
0: And this week we watch season four, episode nine of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Ted Koppel's Big Night Out.
1: As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Something Blue.
0: I think you have a solid point that the Gilmore title is not as good as the Buffy title.
1: Yeah, I think the Gilmore title is pretty stupid. We can talk about that later.
0: The Buffy title is kind of twofold. Yeah. It's good. It's a good title.
1: I would say it's threefold.
0: What's the third thing?
1: Well, we'll get there. Okay. I think it's threefold.
0: All right. I'm looking for that third fold.
1: (laughs) There's so many folds, guys.
0: We got a lot of five star reviews this week, Brian. Oh, really? Yeah. Thank you so much to Erica Ast, Renee Birch, Rachie Poo Moo Poo (laughs) Poo. Right. And
1: you might want to say that without like laughing or making fun of it if that's their name.
0: There's no way that's their real name.
1: poo poo Pooh, that's my friend's best name.
0: <laughs> it's your friend's best name? It's
1: my best friend's best name.
0: We like what you did, poo. Also thank you to BOF Statistician and Jess312. We had Thanksgiving. I mean, everyone did, but you and I did as well. Yeah, we stayed home. Yeah, we'll probably go home for Christmas, but we stayed in. We've kind of been doing that the last three years. Some yeah. years because the world was diseased.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is still it not is. diseased when this podcast came out? Is it over over now?
0: <laughs> I mean, there's better solutions now.
1: Uh, but we made, a, we, made. we made a fancy meatball dinner. I know meatball doesn't sound fancy, but it's a fancy meal and it's so good.
0: I think... We told them about this when we made it for our 10-year anniversary, because I have a note somewhere that's like, put the recipe to the meatballs in our final episode, so we must have said we'll give them the recipe, but not till the podcast is over.
1: Oh, wow. Well, guys, you're going to love it.
0: We won't tell you what it is yet. But yeah, it's so good.
1: So good. And then even the leftovers are super good. Yeah,
0: it was almost better day too.
1: Yeah, it's so good. It's
0: very hard to make. Very hands on deck.
1: Well, no, yeah, yeah. It's not like hard. It's just a lot going on.
0: Yeah, it's a lot happening at once. Yeah. And we made a pie.
1: Which added to the chaos, which was also very good. Yeah. We also made a couch for our cat?
0: Yes. my I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but my mom decided to surprise me with a cat couch. She crocheted the whole couch. Then she got to the point where she had to assemble it, and she was a little overwhelmed. So she sent me the foam and all the pieces, and I eventually, after a while, sewed it together. There was a whole mail mishap, too. Like, we just had the pieces, but not all of them for a long time. Um, but it's, it's pretty cute. It's like a cat-sized sofa. He sits on it briefly
1: yeah it's not his favorite he's not against it no but
0: i think we need to just find a place where he's like yeah i want to sit in that spot yeah he's more into this big box that we should really get rid of but he lives in it constantly
1: yeah he just loves boxes it's such a stereotype he just really does yeah anyway
0: i'll post a picture of it it's cute all the big wine deals are over for now Maybe there'll be more in the future, but we're back to our regular Wink wine deal. Still
1: good. Yeah. Still a good deal.
0: If you're not familiar, Wink.com is a online wine company where they ship wine to you based on a quiz that you take about your palate, and they, they pair wines that they think you like based on your responses to questions about what you like to eat and drink. The wine we had on Thanksgiving was my favorite so far.
1: Yeah, yeah it was super good. It was re- very, very good.
0: It was the 2019 Ultramon Red Blend from Spain. I don't know what it was, but it was the best We've had from them, I think.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Maybe it
0: won't be as good for your mouth. I don't want you to get it and be like, Brian Stacey said it was the best. But we don't, again, we don't know your mouth. We
1: don't know your mouth.
0: We know what your ear's like. We don't know what your mouth likes.
1: We know what each other's mouths are about. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have to be weird.
0: You're right. But it was.
1: Listen, no, I, it's, it doesn't have to be weird. I know your mouth. I've been inside your mouth. Yeah. I know your <laughs> no, not like that. Not like I meant, that. You, you know, with my finger, there's no good way. <laughs> there's no, Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> well, if you want to participate in this and figure out what goes best inside your mouth, through our partnership with Wink, you can get four bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping by signing up for Wink. And you can do so by going to the link in the episode description or in our social media bios or by using the promo code Gilmore Slayer at checkout. That's it. Enjoy. Should we get into these episodes, Bemo?
1: I'm ready to get into these episodes.
0: All right, well, we're starting with you. Tell us all about Ted Koppel's Big Night Out.
1: So this episode's all about the Yale versus Harvard game and a lot of Richard's past and also the romantic entanglement between Lorelai and Jason. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The episode opens at Luke's. Lorelai and Rory are going there to sync their calendars. They always do this. They go to Luke's with their, like, physical calendars to sync them. Do they not have Google Cal at this point? Maybe no. Google? Yeah, you're right. This is pre-Google Cal. This is
0: pre-smartphone.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just funny to be like, oh, we've got to, like, do this. Because you and I have just, like, press a button. I'm like, okay, this is what Stacy's up to.
0: You oh, You don't even look. I share my Cal with you. And you're still like, what's what's our day?
1: What's our day? Yeah. <laughs> what's our day? When What? <laughs> Brian, what? What do you want to know? Our day! Anyway. um, Today?
0: Our anniversary? (laughs) What are you asking?
1: I just want to know when we're making meatballs again. (laughs) Okay, so they just sync their calendars, but they get there and it's rush hour, so there's nowhere to sit. So the two set out to steal two different tables by intentionally, awkwardly, and annoyingly hovering over people until they relinquish their seats. Uh, it's pretty funny. Like, apparently, Rory, like, sneezes or something around some old folks. Mm-hmm. But then they get two tables that they shove together. These are very mismatched tables. And also, really, they only needed the one. I don't think they needed two tables.
0: Yeah, I don't... They just each got one and then, you know, weren't going to give them back because the people had left.
1: Yeah, they could have just they could just used one. And Lorelai like, keeps setting up, like, oh, Luke's going to be so mad that we did this. And... She
0: wants him to be mad.
1: Yeah, I know, right? She, like, does want him to be mad. I do want to point out that they're being ridiculous to Luke because, like, two tables, that's, like, four people he could be serving one is very small but yeah but luke's is just such a small place anyway luke comes over he's not mad at all he's in a great mood because he just hired some help he hired a terrible moron kid named brennan to help him serve i really mean this kid is a moron i mean i don't know if he's supposed to be like a stoner but he definitely seems like someone who's completely and utterly stoned to the point of like not being able to function it's true. He's like a golden retriever come to life. Or rather, a goldfish. He's got a goldfish brain.
0: Mm-hmm. I was like, Riley's a golden retriever.
1: Apparently, he used to go to school with Rory, uh, and she thinks he's gross, because after dissecting a frog, he just like ate a sandwich without washing his hands. Um, that is which is gross. That's that is, pretty gross. That is pretty gross. It's maybe not safe. He doesn't remember this, or Rory, and it's pretty funny. She's like, remember the frog? And he's all like, there's been a lot of frogs, man. <laughs> Whatever that means, dude. But Luke is all like, I finally found help. But Luke, you've had help before. Yeah, there's like a dude that's always working there. But also, Jess worked there. So he's had help, but like, whatever. We're going to find out a lot more about Brennan later. I don't think he's going to come back, but we'll, we'll talk about him. The next scene is at Yale, and we learn a lot about Richard in this scene. In fact, we learn a lot about Richard in general throughout this entire episode. In this scene, Rory and Paris are having lunch with Richard at Yale in the cafeteria, and he's regaling them with a story about trapping one of his roommates in between mattresses and tossing him out the dorm window every night for a month until he transferred. Wow. Yeah, apparently he hated his roommate because he was, and I quote, a nincompoop and chubby. He was chubby. You know, two very good reasons to hate someone <laughs> and be unable to live with them.
0: Well, being a nincompoop, I wouldn't.
1: It just means an idiot. But I was like, but I have to say the guy was chubby, so it was fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's awful, man. This show also seems to hate larger people. Um, it doesn't
0: get better. They <laughs> they wrote more show in 2016, and it's there's a pretty bad scene.
1: But anyway, Paris loves Richard's toxic bro culture story Mm -hmm. and thanks him for inviting her to have dinner with him. To which Richard responds, how often does a man like me get the chance to entertain two such lovely and intelligent young ladies? Which isn't necessarily creepy in itself, but it definitely foreshadows some creepiness we're going to come to later. Enter Asher Fleming. He's Richard's old friend, a highly regarded professor at Yale and author, and someone Paris really wants to interview for the paper. She's a huge fan. She yells it at him when he walks away.
0: And he's an actor, you know.
1: Yeah, I remember. I was like, "Who is this dude?" He's the guy from Logan's Run, but he's also uh, Basil Exposition from Austin Powers, which is what I think I remembered him from the most. Like I said, Paris is a big fan, and she sort of like strong arms him into doing an interview with her. He seems kind of reluctant, but like maybe he'll do it. Richard and Paris are both very pumped for the Yale football game against Harvard, which Rory is just now realizing is important to people and agrees to go. They're not sports people. They're not sports people. I think I would go, though, to my big college football game. Yeah, I
0: think I went to, like, one college football game, just to say
1: I went. I don't think I went to any, but, like, also, I don't know, it was Wisconsin, I don't know, I didn't care.
0: That's all the more reason to go. It's like a big, I went to one UW Yeah, maybe
1: I should have gone.
0: I went to the University of Wisconsin. Madison. Yes, I went to a a smaller UW school.
1: Meanwhile, Jason is still hounding Lorelai for a date with no success. I mean, dude, he just like keeps sending her chocolates and flowers and calling and leaving desperate messages. Finally, she responds to a voicemail and calls him to tell Jason that she just can't go out with him. It would upset her parents and because he's from her world, whatever that means. I don't know. The rich people world. I suppose. It's kind of weird, though, because she keeps being, he keeps saying stuff like, you know, do you find me repulsive? She's like, no, also, I look great in a dress. Kind of like, we should be together. I know you want me. I would be a great catch, but it's not going to happen.
0: I think she wants to go out with him, but she knows it would piss off her parents. She says that in the scene at Luke's in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I know. I just feel like she's almost leading him on by saying stuff like, I do look good in a dress. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. She wants to flirt with him. Yeah. Jason says that he has reservations at a fancy restaurant that Saturday, and he's going to go regardless whether or not she goes. But she is welcome to join.
0: A Chinese restaurant. Is it Chinese? Yeah, it's called the China Garden. Because remember in the previous episode, he was trying to fish for what kind of food she likes.
1: That Friday, at Friday night dinner, Emily and Richard are rich people complaining about their neighbor's Christmas decorations being just too much.
0: The same neighbor they were complaining about in the Halloween episode. Were yeah, they plenty they, of the candy bars.
1: Yeah, they like hate these neighbors. It's actually pretty funny because they were like, They're gonna put these reindeer on their roof. And then one of them's like, But don't worry, they've got too many other lights. The homeowners association won't let them light them all up. And the Emily's like, But they could shut off the other lights so that they could allocate some of those lights to the roof. It's pretty funny. They also mentioned the Yale game, and suddenly Lorelai is feeling the FOMO, so she really wants to go. And Richard and Emily have to cancel on one of their friends because they had given all their tickets out. They buy a block of tickets every year. It's funny because they take this so seriously. Like it's like they're telling someone on the Titanic that there isn't room on the lifeboat. Mm-hmm. They're all like, We're gonna have to call one of our friends. Let's make sure we don't call the one that just had his column removed. They're like so serious about it. But to their credit, they are like making room for Lorelai, even though Lorelai Hadn't expressed any interest in it.
0: Right. I thought it was funny when Emily was like, Laura, you have no interest in football. She's like, yeah, mom. I'm not like a diehard fan like you, for instance. (laughs) But actually. (laughs) I mean, I think Emily likes the tradition of going to the game. I don't know how much she actually like cares about football. Sure.
1: Lorelai, like you said, obviously isn't interested in the game at all. She just wants to spend more time with Rory, especially because finals are coming up. And she knows Rory will be a little, you know, busy studying.
0: She has no idea how long the game was. Right. When she finds that out. She's upset.
1: She's like annoyed at Rory. She's like, why didn't you tell me about the game? And Rory's like, because you don't want to go. It's going to be super boring. And I have to, but you don't have to go.
0: I don't mind watching like football on TV. I don't really care that much about going to see live sports.
1: I agree with you. But having seen what going to this Yale game is like... I'd be like, I'd go to that.
0: Well, we didn't see the actual game. Yeah, you're right. There's just so much going on at live sporting events. It's, like, hard to actually watch the game. And, like, I've never had good seats, so it's like you're watching these tiny people far away and you're just distracted by all, like, the activities going on around and the big screens and stuff.
1: Yeah, we should mention, Stacy and I are not sports people. We're not, like, anti-sports. I don't have anything against it i'm not one of those like the sports games on sports are dumb like whatever if you like sports awesome i just don't find it that entertaining myself i feel
0: like uh we pay attention to the packers once it gets down to the wire if they're like gonna go to the super bowl or not
1: (laughs) oh absolutely we do do that
0: but i don't like sit and watch the game i usually check to see if they won yeah we're from wisconsin
1: early 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 the next morning at like 6 a.m a sleepy lorelei regrets her decision to go to the game She's like so sleepily delirious that she even asked Rory to check to see if she remembered to put underwear on. Okay. <laughs> and here's where we get some more Brennan time. I know you guys really want to see some Brennan time. Brennan is there and still being a complete idiot, just the dumbest person you have ever met in your entire life, asking if Rory wanted her toast toasted. And she he get, apparently constantly every day gives Lane donuts instead of bagels. And when she calls him out on it, he's like, well, they both got holes. This guy's cartoonishly dumb.
0: Lorelai gets mad because he doesn't write down her order. I was a server; didn't write down orders unless it was like a big, huge table or like something really complicated. But I, as a patron, when someone doesn't write stuff down, I'm like, maybe you should write it down.
1: I'm always like trepidatious. And if they get it right, I'm like, no problem. You did everything fine. But this guy, he obviously, Brendan forgets immediately all of those things.
0: It's funny because like I I know I can do it, but like I don't trust other people.
1: Yeah, (laughs) totally. To get it right. And then it's on you as the customer to feel shitty, to be like, "Uh, actually, you're wrong. You know, like. Yeah. So yeah, I prefer when people write it down too. One of the things he does is Kirk is there, and Kirk asks for a napkin, and he just like pulls a crumpled one out of his pocket and gives it to Kirk. And Kirk's like, "Can I have a napkin for my napkin? Uh This guy's a class A moron. I hate him. Class A. Yeah, not a class B, which is just not not the same grade of moron. He does speak friendly and like very nicely, but uh, yeah, he's not rude. No, but it makes me hate him more. Somehow. In some
0: ways, he's like better than Jess. Yeah, Jess is probably efficient, but an asshole.
1: Yeah. Lorelai goes and tells Luke all of this stuff. She tells him about the napkins and calls them butt napkins for Kirk. And <laughs> Luke's like, what are butt napkins? That was a funny line. But Luke's all about, like, giving this guy another chance. He's not that concerned. He just thinks that he needs to learn on the job a little bit better.
0: I also kind of don't buy that Luke is just, like, oblivious to all his badness. Yeah, I Is agree. he not
1: watching at all? He was that way with Jess a little bit, though. Yeah. And I guess compared to his last helper who ruined a relationship and broke Rory's heart and stole from people in the town and put a fake crime scene outside of his place, you know, Brennan's butt naps might not be that bad.
0: Brennan's a serial killer.
1: (laughs) We don't know what he's doing with those frogs. Yeah, that's true. But the funniest part of the scene, maybe the episode, is when Luke is defending Brennan and tells him to grab some coffee for Lorelai. And so Brennan goes over and grabs the decaf, which I immediately can tell is decaf. And Luke stops him and him. He's like, no, 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 that's decaf. Get the regular. And then Brennan goes over and just, like, stares at the coffee pot. So Luke is like, it's the one with the black top. And then Brennan just sort of walks away. <laughs> Lorelai's like, he just left. Later in the episode, Luke notices there's a huge line outside of Weston's pie place. They're all there because they can't stand Brennan. So Luke asks them kind of angrily, like, what the hell's going on? And then the priest starts to make a sound and Luke apologizes for saying hell. (laughs) And the priest is like, no, 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 I was just... Going to tell you what's going on. It seems everyone is boycotting Luke's because they don't want to deal with Brennan. Uh, Luke defends Brennan. He's like, you guys are just being too hard. He's new. And then he looks over and sees that Brennan is like gratuitously air guitaring while standing on one of his tables and scream singing. So Luke's like, all right, I'm going to fire. It
0: yeah, looks very about like, you guys gave me a chance when I was a piece of shit kid. Give him a chance. But he immediately is like, no, this kid's hopeless. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, at the Yale game, Richard and Emily show up wearing comfy Yale gear, which look very funny and unlike their normal, like, formal people clothes.
0: I didn't think it was that weird.
1: You didn't think it was weird that Emily had a button that said, go to hell, Harvard?
0: I guess, maybe just because I'd seen the episode. It wasn't shocking.
1: It was just because it's so unlike them.
0: Sure. Sure. That's interesting. I, it didn't have an effect on me but because I've seen them in the outfits.
1: Well, they love, 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 love game day. They love it, and they're totally in their element here. And um, we've seen them sort of like that before, just like really reliving their glory days at Yale. Mm-hmm. They are appalled that Lorelai is wearing Harvard red. So they make her wear a sweater over her vest, which I, I don't understand how that fits, but it does somehow. Rory brought about, what, what'd you say, like 300 Fig Newtons in a plastic bag? It's a lot. It's so many Fig Newtons. And Richard, like, laughs at that when she tells him this. Both of them do. Yeah, Richard and Emily both laugh at her. Because they brought an RV with tons of food and, like, servants and, like, a grill. Because they're tailgating uh, rich people style. That's just part of one of the many game day traditions that they have. Like visiting Dan, the first mascot of Yale, a now stuffed dog.
0: Like a taxidermied dog. (laughs) In a glass box.
1: Right. Do you think they didn't know what I meant by stuff? Just a very full dog. He just ate.
0: No, like a stuffed animal is what I was picturing. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say that's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) No. I don't think people would go to full dog, but I don't think stuffed dog in one's mind is taxidermy Just a
1: dog, like, holding his tummy. I'm so full. (laughs) While they're in front of Dan, they do shots. Emily and Richard bring a flask with them, I guess, every year. The fun flask. Yeah, the fun flask. But they also brought a Rory flask, which has like juice in it, I guess. I don't know what's in that one. Who knows? We talked about this a little bit, but I think it's silly that they don't just let her have a shot. Like, they're with family. She's not going driving, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. They haven't acknowledged that she has a desire to drink.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel, Yeah, and I don't have a problem with it. And in my head, though, I was like, I don't know. They're Most parents like, would probably be like, Did you want a shot or two while you're having game day? That's not crazy. Yeah.
0: They're also like in public, so I mean, that's weird. I don't know.
1: I mean, it's legal. It's not. Yes, it is. If you're
0: with your family. Yes. But I don't know if it's legal in public.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Your parents can allow you to drink alcohol.
0: Yeah, I think actually they can in a restaurant. So it probably would be fine here. It but might also, depend on don't the know state. I not who's
1: policing that. She has a flask, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, Richard goes on and on about, like, the crazy things he did in college. Right. doesn't matter. This is nitpicky stuff. It was just, they made a big point of giving her, like, a virgin flask.
0: She doesn't drink at Friday night dinner either.
1: That's true. Yeah, whatever. So that's, they're consistent, I guess, with that. Richard makes it clear that he is really, really happy that he can share these experiences with Rory. He just loves this. Lorelai, the whole time, sort of, like, makes fun of stuff a little bit, which Emily hates. And honestly, I kind of hate it, too. I feel like you force yourself into this trip. You should just try to be very positive.
0: Some of the stuff they're doing is pretty silly, though. They, like, toast to the stuffed dog.
1: Yeah, it's fine.
0: And then Richard just starts, like, barking.
1: yeah. That's a tradition. There's a lot of traditions we find out.
0: He just, like, starts leading this cheer that everyone
1: seems to know. Yeah, and uh, at first, <laughs> Lorelai's like, Dad, you're being, uh, normal, I guess. as <laughs> everyone's jumping in. While at the game, though, Emily and Richard has sort of an awkward interaction with a woman named Penelin Lott, which is the woman that we learned last season had been engaged to Richard that Emily stole him from. Emily? Their conversation is, like, super formal and nice. But Kurt, they're like, how are you? How are things? Okay, talk to you soon. But then Lorelai starts just like making it weird. She just jumps up and she's like, oh, so you're my almost mommy. Would you have let me get a horse? Emily is like not happy about this at all. She's like, we do not talk to Penel and lot." I also think it's sort of weird.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a situation where you could make that joke, but not, like, the first second you meet someone.
1: Totally. But also, it's like, is everything okay? Like, that conversation seemed rather curt to me. (laughs) Yeah. What is this, you know, what is their uh, relationship now? Because I know my mom stole her husband away.
0: I think it's also very well established that Lorelai and Richard have been drinking a lot.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: So she would be a little looser, and Richard clearly is too.
1: I totally agree with you on that. Uh, It's even like a bunch of funny lines, like Lorelei's filling up his flask, and she's like, is that enough? He's like, yeah, if we were in Utah.
0: Mm -hmm. Then they say the Bloody Marys are too strong. (laughs) Like, Wouldn't you want that? You very much want to be drunk right now.
1: Yeah. Later, while they're petting the current Dan mascot, the living one, who does not seem nearly as fit as the taxidermied one. Marty shows up. You remember Marty. He's the naked guy from the hallway. He and Rory seem to be pretty good friends now. It's weird because they never show us this friendship developing. We've seen them meet three times and only once as maybe friends. We saw them initially meet silently in a classroom together... Then we saw him be drunk waking up in the hallway when she was in a robe. And then we see one more interaction where they're sort of friendly where she is in her bathrobe in the kitchen and he sort of like grabs her and forces her to meet his friends.
0: Yeah, in the cafeteria.
1: Yeah, which also seemed very weird and out of place because they're like, are you guys friends? She's all like, hey, do you want to, I want you to meet my mom. Like, I would never ever be like, hey, acquaintance, let's meet my family.
0: I guess her mom was like right
1: there. I wouldn't have a problem with an acquaintance meeting my parents, but like him coming over to her, it just seems like they're friends. Like they have a lot going on. Am I wrong? Did I you-
0: think we're maybe to believe that they've maybe been friendly.
1: Sure. I guess I just would like to have seen that a little bit more. Like when she ran into him in the cafeteria, it seemed awkward. It seemed like, oh, I don't, I'm not enjoying this.
0: Yeah. I think that's maybe months ago at this point though. Right. Because he, like, came over to look for her, to invite her to this party. Right. The fact that he knew where she'd be makes me think she had, like, told him.
1: I agree. I just I wanted to see this. I, I, want, I agree with I you. I feel yeah. like one more scene of them, like, in class together or laughing or talking about something would have been all I needed. Mm-hmm. Literally just, like, one more scene. Like, oh, their friendship is blossoming. Because literally the last friendship moment they had was where she felt embarrassed.
0: Yeah. And that was maybe, like, the second time they talked.
1: Yeah. Lorelai jumps up and is like, oh, you're naked guy. He's embarrassed that Rory told her mother that story. But Rory assures Marty that she's also shared anecdotes, plural, where he had clothes. So they must be hanging out even though we don't see this or hear about it. Richard uh, surprisingly has no problem with Marty being called naked guy. (laughs) Because apparently Richard spent a whole month naked his sophomore year. He did it with some other students to protest Yale's new dress code. One night in a hallway does not a naked guy make Richard wax poetic. (laughs) It's like a weird... I just love that Richard's like, you were naked once? Well, fine. All men have naked times. <laughs> so Rory and Marty go to this party on, like, a lawn nearby. I liked the scene for a couple of reasons. I, I I like that Richard and Emily, as controlling and manipulative as they are, it's clear they want Rory to have a good time. Because they didn't at all guilt her. They're like, no, go spend time with your friends. Like, have a good time. Yeah. They weren't like, no, spend time with us, which I almost would ex- have expected them to be like. Later, Lorelai runs into Penelope again while waiting in line for the bathroom. They have some pleasant small talk about a woman bringing her son into the bathroom.
0: <laughs> Very pleasant.
1: Yeah. What, what, <laughs> that is like such a weird thing.
0: Yeah, I guess the issue was because that boy was old enough probably to go yeah, yeah, in the yeah. bathroom by himself. Yeah, It makes sense. I don't, I don't know. What if the boy's little.
1: Sure. If it's like a little kid, who cares? You know what I mean? But also they made a comment about like the things he's going to see in there. But aren't women's bathrooms like full of stalls? Like you're not going to see anything.
0: Yeah. This seemed like a weird thing to make a big deal out of to me.
1: I feel like the boys' bathroom is where you're going to see some stuff. Especially at, like, big games. There's just, like, a big ol' urinal. Is that how it is in ladies' bathrooms?
0: Uh, no, there's no big ol' urinal.
1: Do you guys don't have a big ol' urinal with just, like, a bunch of little seats on it? (laughs) I'm telling you, you guys have long lines. All you need is a big trough with a bunch of seats on it. Speed this shit up. Okay. Not the shits, actually. Keep those the same. Speed up the pee.
0: Wait, can't. We speed up the shit. I mean, if
1: you want to, sh- yeah, okay. You're right. We should speed it up.
0: <laughs> Let's figure this out before we move on.
1: What you guys need is for a mother to bring in her son, who's an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Emily overhears Panelin talking to Lorelai about her inn. Emily quickly finds a current reason to end their conversation, and they head back to the RV. Richard is very drunk at this point and starts being like pretty flirty with Emily. That was cute. Yeah. I
0: mean, Emily doesn't
1: want it at all.
0: She's like, can you move? I can make Bloody Mary. She's like, I don't want to move. I want to stand dangerously close to my
1: wife. I I don't know about you, but when I see Dan, rock hard. Like, I need to (laughs) breathe. Stuffed. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, he's very drunk and being flirty. Until he hears the whiff and poofs his old a cappella group, which he joins in song. However, Emily is uh, not having a good time anymore, and she's taking it out on her poor servants. She tells Lorelai she's not upset about anything, which translates to she is crazy upset about some stuff. <laughs> Richard brings a few of the poofs over for drinks, and Emily just asks him straight up in front of all of them how Penelope knew that Lorelai was opening an inn, because it seems to her there's no way for her to have heard that. And then Drunk Richard just sort of sheepishly sheepishly admits that he told Penelan six months ago. And oh, by the way, they've secretly been having lunch once a year to catch up.
0: Ever since they've been married.
1: Yeah, neither he nor Penelan have told their spouses either, which is how you know it isn't okay.
0: I genuinely believe him that it's not any more than just lunch. But it's still like you are hiding it because you know she'd be upset and that's wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like there's always going to be that awkwardness. Like, I don't know, if especially if you're with someone a long time, you don't want to, like, totally cut them out of your life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you and I have had this discussion where he's like, I want to go maybe, like, have uh, drinks or grab lunch with my ex just to sort of catch up. But, like, I'm letting you know. It's totally on the up and up. But, I mean, I feel like if you don't tell your partner, then it's immediately suspicious and not okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've both had, like, a lunch
1: with our ex,
0: during our relationship.
1: Yeah, and you just tell your partner and it's fine.
0: But yeah, not every year. Even if we did do it once a year, I think if you told me I'd be okay with it.
1: You haven't been doing it every year?
0: Brian, you have
1: Listen, I just want to catch up you with Panelin Lott. Oh well, you can see her once a year. <laughs> I've been seeing Panelin a lot, honey. I see her about once a week. Go for it. Emily gets angry, which is totally understandable, actually. A lot of times I'm not on Emily's side, but I think she has a point right now. Mm hmm. But she ends up misplacing that anger on Lorelai, saying that, you know, if she hadn't talked to Penalyn a lot, none of this would have happened. She never would have found out and everything would have been fine and great, which is nonsense reasoning. I mean, yeah, Lorelai was like pushing it, trying to talk to Penalyn maybe more than Emily wanted her to, but it's not her fault that Penalyn has been having secret meetings with Richard.
0: Yeah, and Lorelai's like, if I wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't have known. And was like, yeah, that would have been fine. Maybe, maybe some people would
1: prefer to have not known. It's one of those things where it's like, uh, it's... Let's find this out after the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. it kind of ruins the day. But yeah,
1: but but this is all ultimately Richard's fault. You know, this mm-hmm. is Richard's fault. It's not Lorelai's fault. It's not Emily's fault. It's Richard's fault. He should have told Emily about it.
0: But I mean, you go five, ten years without telling her. You don't want to start telling her that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, at this point I'm justifying what lies do, but I think at some point you're like, you know, I'd like to meet up with M. Penel and Lott. I'm letting you know.
0: We've been doing it for 15 years. Is it cool <laughs> if I keep doing it for another 15?
1: And then she's going to die, so it's fine.
0: I want to point out Richard's drunkenness isn't, Sloppy. He's just, like, more boisterous and, like, outgoing, I think, than usual.
1: Yeah, he's just, like, very happy. Playful. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's not, like, falling down or, like, oh, he's got a problem. I also, this is a stupid thing, but when the new Dan comes over, I just love that they're all, like, get the bone! And they're, like, so excited to feed him a bone. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, I like seeing Richard and Emily out of their usual roles, you know? They're not behaving super properly, Mm -hmm. you know? And And I like seeing them like that. It's just so different.
0: But they did show up to the game with steak and maids.
1: Yes, obviously. In my head, I heard you say steak and nades, like grenades, and I was like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? Now I'm on the same page. So now Lorelai is pissed off at her mom, and so she calls Jason Digger Styles and says she's going to go on that date, and he's like, put on something evil. So this restaurant is super fancy. They even see Ted Koppel from the titleless episode there, Mm, Uh, and Lorelai seems to be pretty excited about it and impressed. But then Jason takes her back to, like, a fancy, like, much-coveted private room to eat. And Lorelai isn't really excited about this at all. Jason says he likes the room because it isn't noisy and they can actually hear themselves talk. But Lorelai really wants to be part of the uh, restaurant and the atmosphere and all that noise. So she doesn't really want to eat in this room. And when she asks, like, can we switch tables? He's like, no, like, this place is booked up forever. And she's like, we can sit at the bar. And he's like, I don't want to sit at the bar. Like, I don't enjoy it. It's uncomfortable. My feet dangle and stuff. So Jason just sort of like gives up? It's weird because you'd think, I don't know, in my head I could see Lorelei raising all these objections, realizing there is not another solution, and then her be like, all right, we'll just we'll just eat here.
0: Yeah. Or let's go to another place then.
1: Absolutely, one of the Sioux. In my head, if I were her, I'd be like, all right, well, let's just eat here. Like, how bad is it going to be? It's like a little room, and it's not what I want, and next time we'll get what I want.
0: And I think she would have eaten in that room if the alternative was we don't eat anywhere. But he kind of just, like, got up and left.
1: Yeah, like I said, Jason just, like, gives up. Jason's all like, oh, mm, you don't like it? You're uncomfortable? All right, let's go. And then he just, like, leaves. He doesn't even really give her the time to be like, well, okay, well, let's just eat here.
0: We disagreed about this a little bit, because I think— I'm on Team Lorelai that it's weird to be alone in this room when this is clearly like a fun restaurant to be at. And by being in this room, you're not really being there. Um, But I wouldn't have wanted us to just leave. I would have eaten in that room if it meant not being on the date.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like she's the one that's on the date. She didn't know about this place. He went out of his way to get like a fancy room and stuff for her. I get that it's not her ideal. But I feel like... In my head, she should have been like, no, let's, let's eat here. And then next time they're going to date, be like, hey, I'd really like to be in the outside place. I, I liked that. I want the atmosphere.
0: Well, I think it's fair that she mentioned it, though. Yes, if, totally. If he would have been cool with moving. Yeah. I don't even really like a loud place, but I think I'd prefer loudness to, like, being in an awkward, quiet room on a first date when there's, like, a bunch of funness happening on the other side of the wall.
1: For two people who talk, uh, like, 40 words a second, I feel like a silent room is great. Sure. <laughs> No one has done anything wrong here. I do feel like Jason gives up so quickly. He's just like, all right, well, then let's go. Yeah. But he doesn't say, all right, let's go. You know what? Let's go find a place nearby. He's just like, let's go. Then they're in the car, like driving back. And he's all like, you know, I guess we could go somewhere else. Neither of them really have like a place in mind. But then Lorelai sees an exit and tells him like, get off here, get off here. And has him take her to this like dumpy looking like taco fast food restaurant, like through a drive through. She orders a bunch of stuff, but then Jason says he doesn't want anything because apparently he's not, like, big on Mexican food. But then they argue back and forth because he's all like, oh, you can just eat the food in the car. And she's like, no, it's not going to be fun for me to just sit here and eat while you watch. And he's like, well, does everything have to be fun? And she says, yeah, on a date, which does make sense. I feel like... Eating my food in a car next to my date on a first date is awful.
0: Yeah, I mean, they kind of know each other, but they're not, like, friends. Yeah. That is weird to be in, like, a fancy
1: dress, just, like, stuffing your face in front of a kind of a stranger. Yeah, and you're going to get your dress dirty because you're going to slop something on it. Like, I don't know. I I agree with Lorelai here.
0: There could have been something romantic if they were both doing that, but, yeah, it is a little weird.
1: So they just drive away, no food, and then they go to a grocery store? Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Laurel <laughs> decided that she's just so hungry that they just have to get some like prepared food from the grocery store. Could they, they not
0: go to like another nice restaurant? That's
1: what I They had to be another restaurant nearby. Maybe right? it was
0: like late at this point.
1: Yeah, maybe. I feel like you could just call a couple places and then be like, "Oh, you're open? Can I come over?" Yeah.
0: Because he was picking her up at eight. And yeah. I'm assuming they had to drive to Hartford, so they might not have gotten to the Chinese place till like nine.
1: Well, at this grocery store, they're both being weird. Lorelai's all like, "You can't buy stuff that's not related to the food for this date." At this point, I'm like, is the date over? Are you getting food to take home? At some point, they're like, fuck it. We're just going to get any groceries or household items we need and also the date food. I think this scene is supposed to be, like, romantic and that Jason is supposed to be sort of, like, heroically romantic because she can't find her small-sized Pringle cans that she likes to take with her to work. And so he, like, maybe bribes a stock boy to let them into the back so he can, like, find what she wants. Uh, And she does. I guess that's supposed to be romantic. Whatever. I feel like you could have just asked the stock boy, like, can you get these?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know. Maybe it's romantic on, like, a provider level or something. I don't know. It's kind of fun and dangerous, I guess. I don't know. Sure. Then we see them eating outside on, like, a bench. Uh, And it's fun. They're having a good time. They're flirty. They're being romantic. She has swiped the fun flask. Yeah, she realizes she has the alcohol. Jason gets up for a minute, and Rory calls. Uh, Rory just finished the game. She's getting one of her night coffees, you know? (laughs) Yes. Like, what What time is it that you're getting coffee? She probably has to study. That That's maybe true. That's maybe true. But while on the phone, Lorelai says that she might actually like Jason.
0: Lorelai also mentioned earlier in the episode that um Jason can keep up specifically. So mm-hmm. that was interesting.
1: Rory's like, cool, I want all the details. But then she sees Paris making out with old man Asher Fleming.
0: You were shook. I was shook. That's Basil Exposition. You kept asking if Paris and Richard were going to hook up. Well, she just
1: seemed very, like, chipper and nice around him.
0: Yeah. I was like, just wait till this episode's over. Some shit's going to happen with Richard. Some (laughs) shit's going to happen with Paris. Not together. No. But some shit's going to happen.
1: It's possible that Paris just wanted to figure out what kind of um, wine... Asher Fleming wanted? Right.
0: She wanted to be inside his mouth.
1: Yeah. And she's like, mm, you're going to want a Milo.
0: I was thinking about this. They're making out so publicly. Yeah. I feel like he shouldn't do that. Totally. I never, I don't know if they address that, but I bet this happens all the time that teachers hook up with their students. Sure. I like, think it's
1: probably not uncommon. Well, I don't think it's like common every second, but.
0: Like in their office or something though. Right.
1: Right. Or TAs specifically. I feel like TAs, it probably happens pretty frequently. There was a dude when I went to college, and there was no way he was not sleeping with like multiple women. He was super hot, super confident. You mean the, super he smart. was a teacher? He was a teacher, yeah. Sleeping yeah, yeah. with students. And all the women in the class wanted him hard. Like I They wanted
0: him to get a boner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, Professor Michaels. I showed up with my. Oh, we'll good shirt on today. I'm
1: telling you, I don't know how many times I had to go. It, there was a weird situation where I was in like a class where everyone was, it was like a senior class and I was not a senior. I, I don't know how, it doesn't matter. I was in a much harder class than I should have been in. Everyone was, had a boner. <laughs> everyone had a boner.
0: <laughs> and you just couldn't get hard. Yeah,
1: and I was like, I can't get hard, guys. What is my problem? Uh, it was a statistics class. Doesn't where matter. are
0: we going with this?
1: <laughs> anyway, I, I said I had to go to his like his office hours a couple times every time I went every time there was at least one female student there, if not more.
0: Just laying around on the couch?
1: No, just like there. And I I swear they were always like flirty with him every time I went there. Was he young? He was young and he was German. Mm. But like he could speak English fine. Perfectly. He could speak German perfectly. Which one? (laughs) He he could speak his native language without a flaw. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, No, he could speak English perfectly, but I don't know. Like the little, he he had an accent, but it was like just barely. Mm. And I feel like that was, I mean, this guy, there's no way. He definitely hooked up a student. Good for him. No, he was actually a piece of shit for other reasons. Okay. But, and I hooked up with the TA one time. Anyway, guys, let's move on.
0: Would you make out with her?
1: Listen, I'm going to uh, be having lunch with her soon. Okay. Um uh, We've been having lunch every day, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been hiding it from you every day. For I 11- wonder where
0: you've gone for lunch every day for the last 11 years. <laughs> yeah. This is off the rails. Yeah,
1: sorry, guys. We had some of the fun flask. We didn't. I know. Uh, What I did want to say about this is I thought the episode title is so eye dumb. Ted Koppel's Big Night Out. They saw Ted Koppel at that restaurant. Ted Koppel might go out every single night. Ted Koppel might have crazy huge parties, and this was actually pretty low-key for Ted Koppel. It's true. You don't know Ted Koppel. I know this is nitpicky, but I thought it was a really stupid title. Yeah. I don't mind that it was just, like, a not important thing in the episode. It's just that, like, you have no idea if this is a big night for Ted Koppel.
0: It is hard to get to this restaurant they've established.
1: But I feel like Ted Koppel probably can get into it pretty easily. Probably. Anyway, I'm being an asshole. Do you think this is a good episode?
0: I do. I remember really liking this episode as a younger woman. (laughs) Had nothing to do with my age, I just haven't watched it for a long time.
1: Were you into Mr. Asher Fleming? Not at all. What did it for you?
0: But no, I just remember really liking the Yale game part. And I do remember liking the grocery store date. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I felt about the grocery store date now. I didn't have as much charm for me. But I thought there was something fun about them, like, still having a good time, despite the circumstances.
1: Yeah, in my head, it was just, like, all the circumstances leading up to this were silly.
0: Them ending up at the grocery
1: store? Yeah. Sure.
0: But the Yale thing was very fun. Huge revelation for Richard. The Paris thing's pretty huge. She has a boyfriend, yo.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jamie! See,
0: so, yeah, I remember loving it. I was a little worried it wouldn't quite hold up to my expectations. There may be a few things where I was like, oh, it's not as fun as I remembered, but... For the most part, I thought it was still a really good episode.
1: What did you think? Yeah, it was good. The date stuff didn't tickle my fancy that much, but the Harvard stuff was all good.
0: And I didn't remember the Luke Brennan thing being part of this at all, but that was pretty fun.
1: I'm glad he's gone. I hope him and Tristan are in purgatory together. Are we ready to move on to the special segment? Yes. The segment we like to call... Meanwhile Unchar."
0: Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen.
1: But we're discussing it anyway.
0: Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed?
1: Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 4, Episode 9, Muse to My Ears, the Charmed Ones must protect the muses from a warlock who is trapping them into a magical ring and using their inspiration to make the forces of evil more powerful. All right, let's break this down a little bit. Um, The warlock is trapping them, like, one at a time? The tenses here is weird. Yeah, I guess it
0: could either mean, like, one at a time, or this has been going on for a while. Right. But why is it saying muses? Like, we know who the muses are.
1: Yeah, I mean, they may have mentioned them before.
0: Okay, well, there's muses.
1: They also have forces in capital for evil. Forces of evil. Is that a group?
0: I feel like the capitalization with these is very all over the place. Like, sometimes the Charmed Ones is capitalized.
1: This is like a Trump tweet. You're like, why are these words capitalized? Mm -hmm. Okay, sure, all right. They must be important. Yeah, I guess so.
0: Forces of evil. But muses are not important. They're not capitalized.
1: Nope. (laughs) So I don't know why they're worried about it. Yeah, like if they're not being capitalized, they're not important.
0: Okay, well, there are muses. There are some. Somewhere. They hang out down at the pond, and people go and sit at the pond. And muses are like what inspire people to write stuff, right? And yeah. Like Make art. Mm-hmm. Anything can be a muse, right?
1: If you're just yeah, you could use it like commonly. they would be it would be like oh, Stacey's my muse. Thank That's you. what gives me inspiration. But like it, like in Greek mythology, it was like no, they're like kind of like god. They're not gods, but they're like gods.
0: Okay, so I guess this town has some muses.
1: Is town, San Francisco. I figured they were just like you know. There's like 12 muses total.
0: Oh, just in the world? Yeah. Okay, and San Francisco has a couple of them?
1: Sure. I mean, there's no way they're traveling out of town. What do you mean there's no way they're traveling out of town? Shows like this don't travel out of town. I feel like they, they've they traveled into paintings. They've traveled into alternate dimensions. You're telling me they can't leave San Francisco? Well,
0: where do you think the muses are?
1: All over the world.
0: Okay, so the, in this episode, they travel all over the world. Yeah, on, they teleport. On set.
1: If you're in a building, you could be like, this building's in Cleveland.
0: So these muses are in a building in
1: Cleveland? <laughs> yes. Yes, babe. That's where muses go.
0: Very inspirational. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, the main muse they find is in a building in Cleveland.
1: Yeah. They're inspiring the next episode of uh, the Drew Carey show. Yep. It's going to be the 3D episode. It's a pretty good one.
0: Well, th- it turns out, luckily, that's also where the warlock is based.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And
0: he's about to trap this muse in a magical ring. Right. What <laughs> Fuck is this episode,
1: babe? It's the one where he traps some of the muses in a magical ring,
0: and then he he lets various people, you know, like Illuminati types, borrow the ring. The forces of evil. I mean, Illuminati. It's it's like the people that control the world.
1: So then the evil people. The way it gives them powers, it like just inspires them. Like, oh, you know what I could do. This
0: is a really good evil idea. But they just um they take the ring and they they break it.
1: It's pretty simple.
0: It's not hard to break a ring. No. However, they did it in Buffy Angel. But the hard thing was like knowing that he'd be in Cleveland.
1: They uh, they saw an episode of Drew Carey and they were like, "God, the show is so funny. It's so inspired." And they were like, "Oh whoa, my god, whoa,
0: whoa. maybe if we could. There's no way they actually shoot
1: Drew Carey in Cleveland."
0: <laughs> but this was a special on location episode yeah. of Drew
1: Carey. So they go to Cleveland <laughs>
0: on location in a warehouse in Cleveland. Yes. This is very funny cuz I wrote an entire sketch rom-com show that was set in Cleveland for no good reason. Yeah. It's called You Can't Spell Love Without Cleveland, Ohio, and you have a bunch of extra letters to play around with. But recently, my computer does this thing where it like gives me a random new background. And the other day the background was the Cleveland skyline, which is not inspired whatsoever. It's, there's like one identifiable building, but I fucking recognized it from like doing all this graphic design stuff for that show. <laughs> I was just like, why do I know what Cleveland looks like? But I do. I really do.
1: Yeah, yeah cool.
0: So I guess um, I find it inspirational. This has been Meanwhile Uncharmed.
1: So Stacy, then we watched Bob the Vampire Slayer, an episode uh, I knew was coming. Well, wow. I know they're all coming. But <laughs> what? This episode is called Something Blue. Stacey, can you tell us all about it?
0: I can't wait till we get to an episode you were surprised to know. <laughs> Maybe there's one you never saw.
1: I think when we get to season five and six, there's going to be all kinds of episodes. I'm like, yeah, I don't remember what happens at all in this one.
0: Same. So this episode is about Willow still processing her grief, and she does a little spell to try to process it faster, and it kind of messes up a lot of stuff for her friends. Yeah. So Willow's still very sad about Oz, and her friends are kind of sick of hearing about it and maybe don't even really realize how sad she actually is. It opens with her sneaking into Oz's apartment, kind of just sitting on his bed, sniffing his stuff. I imagine this is something she maybe does
1: almost every day. This is something women do, right? After they break up, they sneak into their boyfriend's house and just sniff his stuff? No. Oh, okay. If
0: you've got something left over of his, maybe you sniff it, but you're not breaking into houses. Meanwhile, big, tall, alpha Riley's helping out some poor, short lesbians hang up a sign. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lesbian alliance sign? Buffy stops to say hi to him and he's like, hey, remember how we were planning a picnic? And she's like, no, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, shoot, is this one of those private practice conversations I have by myself? Red flag, Buffy. <laughs> if he can't separate his thoughts from reality, go away. But he tells her he likes her because she's beautiful and a complicated puzzle. None of this weirds her out at all. And in fact, somehow it super works. And she agrees to go on a pic with him because he called him pretty.
1: A couple things I want to break down. Did you just call a picnic a pic? <laughs>
0: uh, I didn't mean to, but sure.
1: Just, like, got to abbreviate that word. <laughs> We're going on a pic.
0: <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I will forever call them pics.
1: Also, oh, her last boyfriend was like a 200-some-year-old vampire. They're just telling her she's the one for him, reading her poetry all the time. Like, she's probably like, yeah, this is just how boys are. Yeah. And I wonder if Riley wasn't asking her out in a picnic, like, cutely, by pretending it was, oh, have we not talked about it?
0: I don't know that Riley's got that much game.
1: Okay, can I tell you something? Yeah. I agree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were
1: going to say that. That was actually true. No, I, I agree. He doesn't have any game at all.
0: This relationship is just based on so little. Yeah. Buffy's mostly just excited to be able to go on a date in the daytime. (laughs)
1: We're going to go out in the sun? I mean, she
0: says that. Yeah. She's sharing some of this with Willow, saying Riley's nice and he has good arms. But deep down, she doesn't really seem so sure about Riley. Like, on paper, he's nice and has good arms, but it seems too safe. Like, she's so used to being with these bad boys. She thinks that maybe real love and passion have to go hand in hand with pain and fighting. Spike is just living in Giles' bathroom now. He's tied up in the tub. They're feeding him mug blood.
1: That's muggle blood?
0: (laughs) blood in a mug says kiss the librarian because it's giles house he says this meal doesn't rate huge in the zagat's guide which is funny because gilmore girls also referenced the zagat for like the third time but in this episode of gilmore girls they say it right when they get to luke's in the beginning yep the zagat guide must have recommended luke's it's weird he's telling them what he knows about the initiative but maybe not everything because he seems a little worried that once he tells them everything they'll just kill him they insist they won't kill him because, remember, the initiative put some kind of implant in him, making him unable to hurt anybody. And they say that since he's impotent, they feel bad hurting him.
1: Buffy's, like, weirdly flirty with him in the scene.
0: Like, she's trying to tease him with her neck.
1: Yeah, I feel like, so I think she's pretty much trying to torture him, right? I think yes. that's the idea. Yeah. But, like, it's... Very sexual. like
0: I don't know. It's probably meant to be foreshadowing where this is going to go. Yeah. But it does feel like there's some sexual tension almost.
1: Yeah, this scene was like, are we watching Cruel Intentions right now? Sorry, we're not. Can we? <laughs> I watch it once a year with lunch. Giles hates this. He leaves the bathroom. Will is
0: there in the other room. She's like, hey, let's try this shoot spell. I'll be back tomorrow with the ingredients. I'm doing great. Bye bye. Tee And Giles and Buffy are like, wow, she's doing so much better with all this Oz stuff, right? Finally, thank God, she was being such a bummer about her boyfriend being a wild animal and abruptly leaving her. And Spike is like, what? No, she's miserable. You guys are bad friends. And he's right. She goes back to Oz's apartment for her daily wallow. But now all his stuff is gone. His furniture, his sniffing shirt, it's all gone. (laughs) His roommate told her that he had sent for his stuff. So she assumes he's like planning on just settling down somewhere new. She doesn't handle this well. She doesn't show up at Giles' house the next morning with the spell ingredients like she promised. Spike's upset because Giles isn't turning on the TV and Passions is on.
1: I like Giles' line. He, like, calls or leaves messages about, like, you know, please show up for this. I'd like to take a shower.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking that, too, because, like, the bathroom doesn't seem like a convenient place to be keeping him. You can go some days without showering. You and I would never do that, but you could go some days without showering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, is Giles just shitting with Spike in the room?
1: I don't think British people shit. Okay. I think it has something to do with the tea.
0: Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike is threatening Giles, and Giles is like, what are you going to do, lick me to death? <laughs> Buffy and Riley are on their little pick. Riley's talking about how much he loves driving and
1: how fun it is to be in a car. God, I hate this. I hate all of this dialogue. You just gotta
0: let it wash over you, the air, the motion. I think he's talking about being with Buffy, but it comes across like he fucks cars. (laughs) I know. Buffy doesn't really get the hype about driving cars, which like, sure, some people don't like to drive. She's Mm -hmm. not good at driving. They've set that up. But she acts like driving is something that only like 10% of people do. Right. Like it's a weird thing that he likes to drive. It's California. Like everyone drives. Yeah. But he's going to take her for a drive sometime. What a cool, unique idea, Riley. And then Willow just, like, sludges up and sits down with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because she, like, she realizes they're on a date, and it's weird that she's there. She's like, whoops, I'm going to go. But they do invite her to sit, but then they, like, clearly want her to go. Like, she's not getting the hint that they're on a date. I'm like, you invited her to sit down. She was going to leave.
1: I'm waiting for Bubba to be like, oh, so this is what it was like for Veruca when you sat down and Oz left?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Later at the bronze, Blank 182 is playing. I don't think they're actually there, but, like, all the small things is playing. It's just the most popular song I've heard on the show. Xander, Anya, and Buffy are all there talking about how worried they are about Willow. But Willow's having a great time. She's dancing. She's drunk. A beer falls out from her coat. I don't really get how she was, like, hiding an open bottle of beer under her coat.
1: Yeah, also, like, you don't sneak a beer around. You sneak a flask around.
0: right. They're all like, Willow, mm, we don't know about this. And Buffy brings up the time she got cavewoman drunk. Xander's like, yeah, too bad you weren't wearing sexy cavewoman clothes, though. Like, right in front of Anya? This is a very season one, two Xander move. Yeah. It felt on brand, but, like, I thought we'd move past this stage of Xander. Yeah,
1: Joss was like, oh, that's what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> they get very upset at her for being drunk.
1: I We talked about this, and ultimately I feel like, yes, she is dealing with her emotions through alcohol, which they should address, but they acted like she was a child drinking.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, she is underage, so it's technically wrong, and they don't really seem like they're drinking.
1: Yeah, but Xander was serving alcohol like a couple episodes ago. hmm Buffy was drowning her sorrows in alcohol a couple episodes ago. Yeah. And it is true that she had evil magical beer that made her evil or not made her evil but made her dangerous but like that wasn't generally how alcohol is. Right.
0: Like drowning your sorrows in alcohol can be a dangerous path but this does feel like a conversation you'd have with someone after like a few nights of this behavior. Absolutely.
1: It's like oh you got drunk one night because you were sad? That can happen. Yeah. Not like hey let me take your beer from you little missy. Like, I hated that.
0: I feel like one night out drinking with friends is, like, a very normal way to cope with something like this. Yeah. But I guess she is drinking alone and hasn't really had a history of drinking, so maybe they're just a little worried about it, but it does seem like they're being a little much.
1: Right, and it's like, let's have a conversation about this when you're sober, not like, you can't be doing that girl who does spells to save the world sometimes.
0: Yeah. She basically just wants a quick way out. She knows that this pain will go away eventually, it's what everybody's telling her, but she doesn't want to wait. So in the middle of the night, she turns to her magic chest. She just casually sets up a spell circle with like 20 candles in the very public dorm bathroom. Yeah, what? What? (laughs) And she does a little spell where she theoretically should be able to will things to be done. Something happens, lightning flashes, but when she's testing this out in the morning, it doesn't seem like it worked. Giles stopped by to be like, hey, you've been kind of shitty lately. He yells at her for trying a spell in her shitty state. She's basically annoyed that everyone's annoyed with her for grieving. And Giles is like, sure, sure, I see how you could feel that way. And she very passionately says, you don't see anything. And then her eyes kind of flash. Suddenly, Giles' eyes are a little fuzzy. He's not blind, but something's up. So it's clear now that the spell is working. She's, like, willed Giles to not be able to see because of what she said. This doesn't make sense. She didn't mean to, but somehow the spell has worked and whatever she says comes true.
1: But it seems like Giles just gets progressively more blind. I know. This episode goes on, whereas other spells are, like, instantaneous.
0: Also, like, I was trying to figure it out in in rewatching some of these scenes. Why didn't it work when she was like practicing it? Because she wasn't saying it passionately enough. I guess maybe she's got to really believe it. But then later, some of the stuff she says isn't like necessarily said passionately. It's just like any comment she makes becomes true.
1: Yeah, this episode doesn't really logically make a lot of sense. Also, if like this powerful a spell was always available to them, like they could have used this a million times.
0: I have something to say about that. Oh, okay, in a minute, in regards to another spell. Okay. Back at Spike's house, it's Giles' house, but he lives there now. Giles has gotten the ingredients from Willow. She had picked them up, but hadn't delivered them. So he's going through with the truth spell they were going to do on Spike, but he can't read the words very well. And Spike, fairly, is like, hey, maybe don't do a spell on me that you can't exactly read. And in his confusion, Giles drops the key to Spike's shackles, and Spike escapes. Willow's complaining to Buffy about how bad of a witch she is and no one loves her. This is pretty funny. She's simultaneously cleaning Amy's cage. Amy, you know, the the witch who turned herself into a rat and has been living with Willow as a rat ever since. She's got rat Amy loose on the bed behind them talking about how good of a witch Amy was and kind of like narrates and marvels at what Amy has done. And she says, first, she's this perfectly normal girl. And then Amy turns into a human suddenly.
1: Yeah. And she the, smiles, all like, oh my God, finally.
0: And then Willow says, and then poof, she's a rat. And then Amy turns back into a rat. Willow's like, I could never do something like that. It's just so funny to me that someone had to call this actress to be like, So we need you back. It will be for literally one second. You will be nude. And uh, that's it. No, no lines. No, 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 just this quick nude shot of you on the bed.
1: It was Joss. <laughs> Joss was like, listen, Amy. Uh-
0: <laughs> I know that's not your real name. I don't know what it is, though.
1: Well, my name is, I don't want to know your name. <laughs> this is how I talk, by the way. I'm working on Avengers.
0: Buffy gets a call. that's bike escaped. She's like, Willow, sorry about all your shit. I got to go. Willow's like, but, but I, I thought we were hanging out today. She's kind of got a point. Like, Spike is handicapped, but I get that Buffy can't just let him be out there. Oh, wait. Buffy just let Spike be out there a ton of times when he had his powers. Yeah. So maybe she should hang out with Willow today. Buffy leaves, and Willow's like, ugh, he's probably just standing out there. You'll find him in, like, two seconds, which comes true. Spike is standing in an open field. Bubby finds him easily. Both of them are confused. Spike's pretty sure he found the place where he escaped from the lab, and he starts trying to dig in the ground. He's like, let me in. Fix me. He wants his his vampire powers back. I doubt they would just give him back. Right. But Bubby's like, stop. And he punches her, which hurts him, and then she punches him, which hurts him. That's funny. So she's able to tie him up and bring him back to Giles. Giles still struggling with his eyes. Willow's complaining to Xander about Buffy, and Xander's like, you're being dumb. Buffy's got to use Spike to figure out what's going on with the commandos. And Willow's like, well, fine. Why doesn't she just go marry Spike? And cut to Spike proposing to Buffy. Buffy says yes, of course. And then they make out for the rest of the episode.
1: Yes, so much. It's
0: so much. Giles walks in on this. He's not sure if it's just his eyes or, like, what the fuck is going on, but he thinks it's got to be a spell because of what's going on with Buffy. Like, that's just too much weird stuff happening. And he's super grossed out by this, as As are we. Now they're sitting in a chair together, like, planning their wedding. And even though they're pretty passionate for each other, they're just, like, arguing the whole episode yeah. <laughs> about, like, everything. It just, it, like, doesn't make sense for them to be a couple, which they're aware of, but they also, like, really want to be married. <laughs> She's like pouting and he's like, oh, look at that lip. I'm going to get it. This is very funny. That, that line was funny. It feels yeah. very real and improvised and like she's trying not to break character. Yeah. And then Buffy asks Giles to be the one to walk her down the aisle. And he's like moved for a second. Yeah. And then just realize this is all nonsense. Giles is drinking. Not sure that that's going to help you with your blurry vision. But then he goes completely blind. Spike is like, oh, you just need a general reversal spell. There's a general reversal spell? Yeah, babe. You should just always have things on hand to make that at all times. Yeah. Why not?
1: Let's well, give it a shot. We'll see what happens with this general reversal spell. It's
0: on the same page as the general unprotect the marriage shit spell. Yeah. It's the whole general spell page. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's dumb. Buffy goes to get supplies for the spell, and she comes across a wedding store, which I'm pretty sure has been like nine other stores, but today it's a wedding store. Riley just happens to be walking by where's his car he's so obsessed with. I
1: mean, it's, it's almost like he's constantly just trying to find Buffy. <laughs> they run into each other so much.
0: But Buffy takes this opportunity to tell him that she still wants to be friends, but she would love it if he comes to her wedding. He's like, what now? She's confused too. It's all pretty funny because she's like aware of how little sense this all makes, but she's still definitely getting married to Spike. Yeah. And Riley's like, who's this spike guy? Does he go here? And she's like, No, he's totally old. I have to
1: say that this like character that Sarah Michelle Geller's playing, is sort of like, I don't know, happy, kinda dumb. I don't even know if dumb's the right word, because it's not. But like oblivious buffy, it's just like honestly sort of a joy to watch. Oh. I feel like she does it really well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the like playful, like happy buffy. Yeah. For sure. I don't know, it's, it's fun to watch. Because so often Buffy is like this conflicted, like, dealing with, like, heavy emotions all the time character. Mm-hmm. That, like, seeing this, like, almost carefree character is just, I don't know, it's it's a nice change of pace.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's not similar at all, but kind of like Richard and Emily being out of character. Yeah. This show has more opportunities for the characters to play different versions of themselves because of the supernatural element. Yeah. But that's always fun to see in general.
1: But this is such a specific and I, it's not just like sexy I'm in love Buffy like you know it's not the same as how she is in bothered and bewildered. And she does this she's done this in other episodes. I can't think of an example, but I don't know. It's it's fun to watch.
0: Riley's like, "Yeah, I'm going to go." And Buffy doesn't understand why he's not happy for her. Yeah. I thought she was maybe going to accidentally reveal stuff in the scene. Because she's, like, talking about Spike, who he maybe hasn't personally met, but, like, he's hunting Spike.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't know Spike's name. I,
0: yeah. He, he just calls as him
1: Hostile 17. The creature. Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, I didn't know that Riley was going to leave. I thought she might be like, come meet my fiancé right now. Right. The magic top was all out of something they needed for the reversal spell. So Giles is forced to sit through more of Spuffy's grossness. And so are we, honestly. Like, it is fun to see actors get to do different things, and I do like the premise of this in theory. Like, it's a good way to satisfy the fans that we're maybe shipping these two, Right. But it's really not fun to watch people kiss for this long.
1: Yeah, seeing them kiss or even one extended makeout scene to be like, wow, this is crazy, uh-huh. is fun. But, like, there's... A couple like extended kissing scenes.
0: It's maybe close to like 10 minutes of screen time that yeah. they're just making out. Because every time someone else comes across them, they're like, oh, we have to show them making out again so they can see that they're making out. But yeah. it's just like a- Okay. It's like when your friends are making out in the corner. You're like, all right, I don't really want to look at that.
1: Yeah, it's much funnier to see them kissing for like a second and then see the reaction from the people watching. Mm -hmm. And this, they're like, no, let's see the whole makeout and now let's see the reaction. It's like, no, we got to cut that. And I feel like this episode actually suffers a little bit from like jokes that just needed to be a little faster. Sure. Uh, Like Giles is feeling really touched by Buffy and then he has sort of a stammery. But uh, this is bullshit. It would have been funny if he just like came too faster. Anyway, small gripe.
0: Buffy and Spike are arguing about whose name is more stupid. She's like, what's <laughs> yeah. wrong with Buffy? And Giles is like, that's a good question. <laughs> Xander is hanging out with Anya in his basement. Anya's got like this new mom haircut that does not hide the fact that she's 30. Because
1: yeah. she's supposed to be in a teenager's body right now. Yes. And that actress is not a teenager.
0: No, I think she's like 27. Uh, to be fair, Xander is also old, so it would be weird if he was yeah, like yeah, 18 yeah. and she was 30. But I don't know, I just thought it made her look a lot older than her last haircut. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier, Xander had told Willow that she'll eventually find someone else, someone better. And she's like, oh, yeah? Like you, you demon magnet? Now, I don't know if they had to walk or take trains or what, but some time has passed and some demons have arrived. Yeah. They're attracted to Xander, just as Willow willed. And then this very toothy red demon busts down Xander's door.
1: Yeah, man. So- this is probably the weakest part of the episode because I feel like this is bottom of the barrel like demon parts that they have for costumes (laughs) like at one point this guy's got this like robe on or like cape and I'm like I feel like I've seen that at the Halloween store like discounted (laughs) and like the the masks look very fake they did not spend any money there's a couple later on that look okay but like the first one the toothy one I was like you do not look at all real
0: yeah there's no way you could talk in that costume
1: no and you I don't know you're not threatening your mouth isn't moving
0: Anya tries to hit it with the side of a baseball bat (laughs) she's just kind of holding a bat at it yeah but she actually proves pretty helpful in this episode because she knows a bunch about different demons and she knows that the only way to kill this particular demon is by drowning it and luckily xander has just a conveniently full sink of water already it's like a utility sink in the basement but why would it be full yeah So they kill it, but then another type of demon busts in the window. They go to Giles' house. Currently
1: Spike's house. Yes.
0: They take a second to process everything that's going on with Spuffy and Giles. Spuffy's making out again. Xander says, can I be blind too? (laughs) Spike is like, this is the crack team that foils my every plan. That's funny because they're like all a mess right now.
1: I do think it's a funny running bit too that like Buffy and Spike are both like, "Um oh, getting that there's spells a Rye. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, this must be spells. But they just can't get that they're also under a spell. Yeah. I like that bit. Yeah,
0: and Buffy's like, and I must be immune because I'm the slayer. <laughs> <And> Xander's <laughs> like, right, right, sure, sure. Yeah. Xander's like, hold on. So much of this is familiar. Oh, right, I was listening to Willow before. And she said all of this stuff that's happening. So she must be making everything come true. So they're like, we got to find Willow before someone gets hurt, but it's too late. Willow shows up at her dorm and is accosted by a blue demon who takes her to another dimension. The gang shows up at the dorm, Buffy and Spike still bickering. There's like a dirt spot on the ground that Anya recognizes as de Hoffren's portal dust. I guess de Hoffren is a demon who made Anya a demon and he's impressed with Willow's work and general angst and has taken Willow to offer to make her a vengeance demon like Anya. So it sounds like Anya had been doing vengeance spells, and that's why he took an interest in her. Like, she was doing shit to her ex's penises and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I think we're gonna find out. On- we do find out more about Anya's past. I don't remember. But yeah, it does sound that way. But she
0: said, like, she, you know, I was just doing, like, general penis wards or whatever. But, like, Willow hasn't done anything to Oz. She even, like, almost did a spell to Oz and then backed out. Yeah. She just has been kind of making offhanded comments about her friends that weren't even mean.
1: Well, I think the Hoffren's like, oh, she has the vengeance in her sure she's angry and she's causing chaos which i like sure
0: he says like the pain and suffering she's brought upon those she loves is inspired but like buffy's happy
1: yeah xander's
0: kind of stressed out i guess giles is maybe suffering but like
1: be right about buffy
0: and spike i mean they wouldn't have a happy marriage but, but willow says as much she's like what do you mean i didn't even know i was like doing these things the gang, meanwhile, has gone to the graveyard, so Anya can summon D'Hoffrin from his crypt. And Buffy's super excited to take some graveyard wedding pics. Photos. I should make that clear. I don't mean picnics. That's funny. Thank you. Tons of demons show up. Anya starts summoning D'Hoffrin from the world of Mahar, like you do. Right. The rest of them are trying to hold off the demons. D'Hoffrin De shows Willow all of this through like a little scroll he's projecting and she's like what no can you can you help them i I don't want to be a vengeance demon i want to go back and help them he's like that's your answer i'm sorry to hear that oh well here's my talisman chant me if you change your mind
1: yeah it's a big thing because he says it like like he's gonna kill her Uh or something like and then he's like well no big deal (laughs) yeah
0: so he sends her directly to where her friends are spike and buffy have just given up on the fight and have started making out so willow can watch and willow undoes the spell Spike and Buffy realize what they've done. They're so grossed out. All the demons disappear, which does not make sense.
1: Yeah, because she didn't, like, conjure them into existence. No,
0: she just, like, made it so they came to Xander. So they would still be there. Yeah. They might just be like, oh, we don't really want to be by Xander. We should leave, maybe.
1: Yeah, like, why are we accosting this teenager next to the Slayer? Maybe we should just take off.
0: But they disappear. Back at Giles' place, Giles can see again. Willow's making a million apology cookies. She's wearing a Speak No Evil shirt.
1: Which you point out is maybe a reference to the next episode. I don't think it is, but it, it's an interesting Easter egg.
0: Yeah, I don't know a lot about the next episode, but I know there's not a lot of speaking in it. Right. It's hush. Spike's tied up again. He wants a cookie to wash the taste of Buffy out his mouth. And they remember everything, which is funny. Cause I feel like sometimes it's a little like, eh, mm-hmm. kind of have memories of this. But they straight up just like... Remember everything they said and did. And Buffy is over the bad boy thing now. And she's like, oh, fuck. Riley thinks I'm engaged. (laughs) So she goes to Riley to convince him that this was all an elaborate prank to get back at him because of the way he looked at her when he caught her looking at wedding dresses.
1: Yeah, she gaslights him so hard.
0: (laughs) He buys it. He's like, you're insane, but you're single and super confusing. I love all of that. You're
1: like a car.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then he almost kisses her and walks away. Superpower move leaves her with total blue ovaries. That's the end. That's the end. Oh, up. so
1: that's what's blue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Was that the third thing for no. real? <laughs> what is the third thing? So I'm, I think the two things are the, okay. the demon.
1: The demon is blue. De Hoffman's blue.
0: Also, something blue is like a wedding thing, right? Oh, and Willow. She's sad. Willow sad. And Buffy's ovaries
1: <laughs> <laughs> so blue, girls. You know how a guy gets you so worked up, and then your ovaries get all painful.
0: Ooh, I want to ovulate so oh bad. My
1: God.
0: <laughs> okay, well, um uh, did you think this was a good episode?
1: Yes or no? I think it was a fun episode. I do find a lot of little nitpicky flaws that I don't like about it. Like, could you not have used this spell like any point to be like, we need to find a vampire. Let's just say he's here, you know? Yeah. Or let's just like undo the angel losing his soul with a reversal spell.
0: Yeah, both of these spells would be so helpful constantly. Or
1: just say the words like, Angel should have a soul, and then he does. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could solve so many problems with these spells. And then, you know, the spells are inconsistent. Like, Giles should just have lost his sight immediately. And the I thought the demons
0: shouldn't have disappeared. disappeared.
1: And I thought also, unrelated to the spells, I thought like the writing for Riley's little fucking car poem was so stupid. Like it just sounded dumb. And if if a person said that to me, I'd be like, oh, you have brain damage. Okay.
0: Yeah, their relationship, really, there's nothing to base it on other than Buffy's character needs a good boy.
1: Well, she's attracted to him. Yeah. And I don't, that's not crazy for relationships to start just because people are attracted to each other. No. It doesn't mean they work, but that is a thing that happens. Sure. Xander and Cordelia, for instance. Yeah. But there is a lot of fun in the episode, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I think Spike is very funny in the group. Uh, so is Anya. Yes. Um, and
0: I like that they have now justified reasons that those two can be in the group. Yeah. And we don't need to kill them.
1: Exactly. Uh, so it's tough because I I, I want to say it is a good episode because it is just really fun.
0: Yeah. I, I like the premise of this demon wanting Willow. I bet that'll come back. She's got his card.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, So I would say, yes, it is a good episode. Yeah. So which episode do we think is better? That's a very good question. I'm going to go on a ledge here. I'm going to say I think uh, Gilmore Girls is better.
0: I think so, too. Just for all the f- the reasons we pointed out in Buffy. I think there's just more flaws in Buffy.
1: Absolutely. I think Buffy is probably a more fun episode.
0: Yeah. It's a very, it's a good Buffy. I enjoyed myself.
1: And I know there's a lot of, like, spuffy people that are going to be like,
0: but it was so fun to see what I wanted so much.
1: But, um.
0: And it was, but then there was too much of it. Yeah. I like Spike so much. I like a, a fun Spike episode where Spike gets to be fun. Yeah, but I think if we're just talking about episode quality and like writing, Gilmore has some big reveals.
1: Totally, and I I, I had philosophy with Gilmore. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the way that date stuff went, but overall, I think I think Gilmore edges out. Same, but it's
0: it's another close one.
1: Yeah, fun Buffy. It's just a, also a good Gilmore. So you know, one's got to win. If you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buff of the Vampire Slayer season four, episode ten, "Hush," a pretty unheard of episode.
0: It's funny, play on word, but I also know you're kidding. As well as Gilmore Girls season four, episode ten, "The Nanny and the Professor."
1: How many indecent relationships are going to happen in this show?
0: How many have happened?
1: Well, I uh, Paris and Asher. Uh huh. And now this nanny and the professor.
0: Um, I think maybe the professor is Asher.
1: And the nanny, oh my god, okay.
0: I don't truly really remember what the nanny is referencing.
1: In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode discussed in this podcast.
0: How many blue things did you think were in that episode of Buffy?
1: Would you ever abbreviate picnic to pick?
0: Who do you think was more weird in the Jason-Lorelei restaurant interaction?
1: Did you think these demons looked pretty shoddy?
0: Is Riley dumb? He's a TA. He shouldn't be this dumb.
1: Do you think we should have given Brandon more slack?
0: It's wrong of Richard to not tell Emily about that, right? Oh,
1: for sure. Right? Right? Have you ever kept something like that from your significant other? For
0: 30, 40 years? How old are you guys?
1: 30, 40? Plus getting to adult age?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is how long? So
1: like 55, 60-ish?
0: Good job. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content.
1: And for more bonus content, you can subscribe to our Patreon page, where we post weekly video reviews of the show Angel, host monthly live-streamed watch parties, and share other bonus content.
0: Yes, and shout-out to our new Patreon subscribers, Francis Shaw and Kelly Jones. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by subscribing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Stacy, or by taking advantage of our wine partnership with Wink, or by making a one-time donation. All of these options are linked in the episode description and in our social media bios.
1: You can also support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing your feedback, and it really helps our podcast get discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans.
0: And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming podcast.
1: For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacey. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY.
0: That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called... Brian and Stacy
1: If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at brianandstaceyreviews at gmail.com.
0: Well, we've got a ton of meatballs left, so we are going to put them in some spaghetti and it's going to get sexy.
1: I'm actually having lunch with um, someone.
0: But spaghetti. Me. I'm sorry. You know how I get.
1: I'm taking the fun flask.
0: But spaghetti. Fun
1: flask. Spaghetti. It's with Dan. Dan?
0: Oh, the dinosaur? I don't know it's
1: the Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dan the dinosaur. Yep. <laughs>
0: I know I used dog. to date him, so. The dog. I got spaghetti brain. You
1: mean you're horny as shit? Yes. That's a callback, guys. That wasn't totally random. <laughs>